In our previous shiur, we concluded with the Mishnah at the bottom of Daf Yud Amit Beis. We saw a series of different expressions that resulted in a vow, in a binding vow. The Gemara opens up with a topic heading that we have included on the side. You can see where the word no say is written in. We've uh, included Moni Masnison, according to whom is our Mishnah. The Sover, the Mishnah is of the opinion, that one infers, that from the negative one can infer the positive. As our Mishnah taught, if a person says, Lachulin Shaochelach, then the result is Osir. It's a binding vow. Demashma, the expression Lachulin Shaochelach is implies that Lochulin Leheve, that that which I would give to you is not to be viewed as Chulin, Elo Korbon Mashaochelach. That what that which you would be getting from me would be korban. Korban is the origin of vows, and a korban is that which you make forbidden. So what this person is actually saying is the food that you would be taking from me is forbidden unto you. But how did we get to that conclusion? By inferring from the expression, namely, that that which I will feed you is not Hulin. Hulin is the mundane, and the, the opposite of that is that which is holy, and that which is holy is forbidden. So from the expression that's stated in the negative, I infer the positive, namely, not Hulin is what you will be getting from me, but rather, yes, Kotshim. Kotshim is that which has been sanctified and hence also. And our Mishnah said that that is a binding vow. So now our Gemara opens with a question. We've uh, noted that the question is a long question. There's a sort of a give and take within this section of Gemara, but more than halfway uh, down this Omid, the Gemara comes to the question comes to a climax. Savruha, we are making an assumption and. The word savrua, generally speaking, would be an assumption that's rejected. But in this case, it represents an assumption that will stick. And the Mephor should point out that you have another instance of a savruha being a, an assumption that remains in the first, the, um, the first daf of Masagas Bova Basra. So here the Gemara says, Savrua, my lachulin, the word, the expression lachulin, uh, that we saw in the Mishnah, means loy lachulin leheve. We saw the Mephorshim in our previous shiur that uh, vowelized the Lamed with a patach, lachulin, and that vowelization enables us to understand the word lachulin as not chulin. Not chulin shall be ella korban, and now that was an, that's an inference. Not chulin, but yes, korban. Bear in mind, the speaker didn't say that that which I give to you will be a korban, but he spoke in the negative. That which I will give to you will be non chulin, from which we infer, but yes, korban, and that is binding, and that means that we can take expressions and draw the inference from them, and that inference will be binding. Moni Masnison, according to whom is our Mishnah. E, Rebbe Meir, if you were to 
think to ascribe authorship to Rabbi Meir, that can't be, because less lay mechlalav atoshomehein. Uh, Rabbi Meir says, basically, and we put it in broad terms, things must be spelled out. You cannot leave people to draw conclusions through inferences. Disnan, and here we see a mocker for that, a source for that. Rabbi Meir Omer called Tanai Sheino Ketanai Bnei God Ubnei Ruvain Eino Tanai. Any condition that is not spelled out in both the positive terms and the negative terms is not a binding condition. And the reference that you see in the Gemara to the Bnei God, Bnei Ruvain, that's a historical reference to the tribes of God and Ruvain that when in the time of Moshe Rabbeinu they insisted on remaining on the eastern side of the Jordan River uh, and not and seemingly not participate, participating in the conquest of the land of Israel on the western bank of the Jordan River so Moshe Rabbeinu uh, will say made a deal with them or they made a deal with Moshe Rabbeinu where Moshe Rabbeinu spelled out the conditions and he says that if you will come and fight with us in conquering the land, so then you will get that which you desire. And if you will not come and fight with us, then you will not get that which you desire. So everything was spelled out, the positive and the negative. And we didn't leave it, it wasn't left to them to infer that, that if you come and fight with us, you will get what you want. And then, hmm, then it stands to reason that if we don't come and fight, then we won't get what we want. No, it wasn't like that. But rather, everything was spelled out. So Rabbi Meir does not hold from Michlal Lava to Shemahen that from inferring from the negative you can conclude the positive. Well, but our Mishnah says you can. Ella, Rabbi Yehuda, he. So we'll have to assume then that our Mishnah is in accordance with Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda is the, the, um, the known uh, Bar Plukta of the uh, opinion of Rabbi Meir. Well, Amos Seifah. Well, let's continue then in the reading of our Mishnah. It said, and here's again a quote from the Mishnah, Rabbi Yudah Omer, Omer Yushalayim Lo Omar Klum. If a person says that uh, an item is Yerushalayim, that's not a vow, it's meaningless. Midaseifa Rabbi Yudah, then it stands to reason that if Rabbi Yudah is the author of the end of the Mishnah, Reisha Lav Rabbi Yudah, the Reisha, which is what we're focusing right now on the Lahulin Sha'ichaloch part of the mission, the beginning of the mission, is not Rabbi Yudah. You see that he he speaks up, his his sheet is referred to only at the end of the mission, but the beginning that's not Rabbi Yudah. The Gemara answers, and you'll see we have a double underline to highlight the expression Kula Rabbi Yudah. He, you see that over here, and you'll see it again later. The Gemara responds and says, Kula Rebbe Yehudahi. The entire Mishnah is really authored by Rebbe Yehuda. The Hachi Kotani. And the end of the Mishnah should be understood as follows. She Rebbe Yehuda Omer. Ha'oimer Yerushalayim lo Omar Klum. The uh, Rashi uh, explains... Uh, we're looking together at the Rashi uh, on the third line under the Gemara text. Shrebuda Omer Ha'imer Yushalayim V'chulei Deboina Shema Kit Yushalayim. 
in order for the vow to take hold, it's expected that you will say the word Yushan, but with a prefix chof, klomar, ke korbonos she biyushalayim. If you say that you, you want something uh, to uh, to be binding, and you say. Uh, I want this, let's say, this item to be Yerushalayim, that's nothing, because in order for a vow to be binding in the use of the term Yerushalayim, you would have to say, Ki Yerushalayim. So that the Mishnah is, in fact, uh, completely authored by Rabbi Yehuda, who, at this point in time, also represents the opinion that says you can draw inferences from that which is stated in the negative and discover what the positive is, even though the positive was not spelled out. The Gemara asks, Tanya, but do we not have a Tanaic source that says Rebuta Omer, that even with this, we'll call it this improved version, namely one who says that I want this uh, item to be ki Yerushalayim, it's meaningless. So uh, we see that you can't explain Rebuta uh, of the Seifa as trying to teach that point when you see that here explicitly he doesn't hold from that. Uh, and when, until, uh, until what point is a netter then going to be binding? means until you vow comparing the item that you want to prohibit to be compared to something that's offered within Yerushalayim, like animal offerings or meal offerings that are offered on the, uh, on the altar that's found in the Holy Temple in Yerushalayim. So, it's uh, not reasonable then to say that the ratio of the uh, Mishnah is going to be in accordance with Rabbi Huda, when Rabbi Huda is the author of the Seif of the Mishnah, and the uh, answer we try to give that the entire Mishnah is in accordance with Yehuda, uh, and understand it as we suggested before, that falls away. The Gemara responds once again and says, Kula Rabbi Yudahi. The entire Mishnah is in, in accordance with Rabbi Yehuda. Utrei Tanoi Aliva Rabbi Yehuda. There are two opinions as to what Rebuta holds with regard to a vow using the term Kirushalayim. So that just to review the, the main point, our mission that said Lachulin Sha'ichalach is a binding vow is a result of Michlal Lav Atashamehain. Because Lachulin Sha'ichalach really means not Hulin is that which you will be getting from me. So, not chulin, but rather, and here's the inference, but rather, yes, korbonus is what you are getting from me. And that's another way of saying that that which you get from me shall be unto you like a korban, like a sacrifice. And in simple terms, that which you are getting from me is forbidden to you. So, one opinion of Rabbi Yudah, though, with regard to the Yerushalayim issue is that by saying ki Yerushalayim, that is an effective vow. And then there's a, a second opinion as to what Rebuta holds on that topic, namely, that by saying even saying Kiyushalayim, that is not effective until you're more specific and say that you're, the item you're trying to prevent, you're trying to prohibit, shall be like something offered in Yerushalayim, but not merely comparing it to Yerushalayim.
The Gemara continues at the top of Omid Bey's Tanya. And we have a Tanaic source that has a number of different phrases. On the side of the Gemara, you see the word no say, a topic heading. Nisoyon, and we've written on the side, Nisoyon Shalagmor Lahamid Braisek Rebbe Meir. We're going to see a Tanaic source and the Gemara's uh, subsequent attempt to set up the source like Rebbe Meir. The Sover, Loamrinon Michlalav Atoshomeahain. That we do not leave you to draw conclusions through inference type uh, logic, but rather, if something is going to take hold, it would have to be spelled out. So now let's see the source. Hulin, Hachulin, Kehulin. Person uses this, any of these words. Hulin meaning something that's mundane or common. Bein she'ochaloch, bein she'lo'ochaloch, mutter. Meaning, there's no vowel. So that if a person were to say, Hulin lo'ochaloch, um, that is not a binding vowel. Lachulin she'ochaloch, oser. Lachulin lo'ochaloch, mutter. So if a person says, La uh, Hulin, or there's another Girsa that says Lo Hulin Shaochaloch, that is binding. However, if you say Lo Hulin Lo Ochaloch, that's not binding. Now, the Gemara will go over this um, source of trying to figure out the uh, authorship. Reisha Money. The Reisha uh, is in accordance with whom? Rebbe Meir He. The less lay, Rabbi Meir, denies the idea of Michlal love atoshomehain, that through uh, the inference drawn from the negative, you can conclude the positive. So let's, let's just check that out. Our Mishnah, this uh, Tanaic source, that is, uh, mentioned amongst other things, if a person were to say, Chulin lo ochel loch. So, Hulin, I will not be providing you with. In other words, my food unto you is is uh, not Hulin, so that what is it in the positive? It would be a Korban. And yet, the source says that um, a phrase like that of Hulin, lo ochelach, where you could infer uh, a, a term that would lead to prohibition, yet it doesn't work. It's ineffective. And that was what the Mishnah what this source said in the middle of the line, the word mutter, it's not binding. That reflects an opinion that says, we don't say mechlalava to that's Rebbe Meir. Uh, if, uh, just to remind ourselves, Rebbe Meir was the author of the Tanai God and Tanai B'nai God, B'nai Ruvain, where things had to be spelled out, the positive and the negative. Otherwise, it's not binding. Amos Seifah. And we now present a question. Notice it takes a number of lines to develop. So let's continue with the seifa. It said in the seifa of this source, lechulin lo ochaloch mutter. That was one of the. That was the final example of the source. That if a person says lechulin lo ochaloch, the vow is not binding. Ah, But do we not have a source that says lekorban? Lo ochaloch. Rabbi Meir Oser. If a person were to phrase his vow using that expression, namely, Lo korban lo ochaloch. Uh, Rabbi Meir says that the vow is binding. The kashiolon, 
uh, and we would we ask on that. Why is that binding? If you let's analyze that fra- that phrase, he says So and and now la korban it will assume like we've said before that if you vowelize it with a patach, it's saying it's like saying la korban is like not korban. I will not be giving you. So. A non-korban is that which I will not be giving you, inferring that that which you would be getting from me is a korban. That's an inference. That's michlal lav From the negative, we infer the positive. And the positive infer- the inference then comes out that, that which you w- the food that you would be receiving to me shall be unto you like a korban. And Rabbi Meir says it's binding. But is that is that isn't that a problem? Because in order to come to that conclusion, we have to draw an inference. The Gemara continues. The Omar Rebbe Abba. Rebbe Abba explains that when he said Le Korban Lo Ochaloch, it's not uh, simply an inference, but rather Nase Keoimer. It's rather as if the person is saying Le Korban Yehei Lefikoch Lo Ochaloch. Now, notice how we add in this lefikoch, lo'ochaloch. So, when a, if a person says lekorban lo'ochaloch, it's not like we thought before, but if you want to understand why that's also is because by saying lekorban lo'ochaloch, it's like saying that lekorban yehei, the food that I have with respect to you is, shall be like a korban, and therefore, you won't be able to eat from it. So you see that we're, we, we, we will say we doctor up the phrase, we add a certain type of understanding to the phrase, and then come to a, a conclusion. So, hocha nami, so too, with regard to someone who says, lo chulen lo ochaloch, as we saw on the, in the, at the end of the source, three lines from the top, where it said, la chulen lo ochaloch, and we explained that la chulen is like saying, not chulen lo ochaloch. So why couldn't that be explained the same way as Rabbi Abba did, and say, hochi uh, what he's what the fellow is saying is, lo chulen lehevei, lefikoch lo ochaloch. That which you would be receiving from me is not and it's not mundane, and therefore you cannot eat from it. And I'm sure you're noting that this approach of saying lo chulin lehevei, not chulin it shall be, namely the food that I provide, lefikoch lo and therefore since it's not chulin, you will not be able to eat from it. That is direct prohibition. That's not a, a inference drawing. So that if you're going to suggest that the source above is going to be uh, like Rebbe Mayer, then why does the end of the source, which said, Lo chuland, lo ochaloch, why does the end of the source result in it saying mutter and we don't adopt Rebbe Abba's approach? The Gemara answers, Hi Tana, Savar Law Kirabi Meir Bachada, Upolig Ole Bachada. The Brisa at the top that you see in the frame 
in in which you saw lechul and laochalach, and that resulting in a non-vow, that is because he holds like Rebbe Meir with regard to one aspect of things and disagrees with him with regard to another. And the Gemara spells that out. Savar law kavose b'chado. The author of the top source agrees with Rebbe Meir on one point. The less lay. He does not accept inference drawing, and therefore, uh, when you saw at the at the opening of the source, you saw lechulin lo ochaloch, not chulin. I will not be giving you, and you would have been. You might have inferred, but but korban, which represents prohibition is what you would be getting from me. That's why the source says it doesn't take hold. Because in order to get to, con- uh, to conclude a prohibition, you would have to use uh, inference um, logic. So on that score, the, the, un- the unnamed uh, anonymous Tanaic source at the top is like Rebbe Meir. Upolig olei b'chado b'korban. But he disagrees with uh, Rebbe Meir uh, with regard to the the, the word bekorban is very terse, but it's a reference to Rabbi Abba's approach to the Tanaic source, um, where it, which read lekorban laochalach Rabbi Meir Oser, and in order to understand that, you had to add in the lekorban yehei lefikoch laochalach understanding of Rabbi Abba, well, the top source doesn't agree with that approach. Therefore, according to the top Tana, Rashi points out that if a person would have said lo korban or la korban lo ochaloch, Rabbi Meir would have ruled mutter. Because in order to get to uh, a, a statement of prohibition, you would have to infer. And we don't accept inference logic. Rav Ashi Omar. Rav Ashi has a different approach, and that's why we're calling him a point, point number two. Ha di Omar lechulin. The ha di Omar lo lechulin. The approach we're taking here is not like we said before. Before, we were assuming that when you see lachulin, it is like saying lo chulin. Rav Ashi says, don't understand things like that. And we take a look at the Rashi explanation in the middle of the wide lines. Ha diyamar lechulin, diyamar lechulin leochaloch, have mutter. If a person were to say lechulin leochaloch, that would be mutter. Afagav de mashma, even though it sounds like he's saying ma sheochal, that which I will give you, have a korban. So why is that mutter? Because the less lay mechlal liel. Rabbi Meir doesn't accept inference type logic, as we explained earlier. As far as what Rabbi Abba explained before, that uh, not chulin shall it be? Therefore, I'm not. Therefore, you won't be able to eat from it. That's because he spelled out the expression lo chulin, uh, and that's what Rashi points out here. Hani mili hechot yomar loy 
לחולין. אבל לחולין לא משמע לוי לחולין. So you're dealing with a very, very fine difference in speech, and it makes all of the difference. If a person says, that will not be binding. Because in order to come to a statement of prohibition, you would have to draw an inference. However, if he says, not but two separate words, then that leaves room for the explanation that Rabbi Abba gave before, hence it would be an actual straightforward vow, not inference drawing. So just reading Rav Ashi again, Rav Ashi Yomar Hod Yomar Lichulin, that is what we saw in the top source, where if a person says Chulin or Lichulin, uh, actually, let me be actually be a little more precise on the third line from the top of the page, lechulin lo ochalach muter, because in order to come to a, 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 a an expression of prohibition, you would have had to draw an inference. The haodiomar lo lechulin. However, the explanation we saw before of lekorban lochal rabbi meir oser, that's the same would apply in the case of chulin if he said lo lechulin demashma. Lo leheve chulin, el korban. It shall not be chulin, but rather a korban, and therefore uh, you cannot eat from it. The Mishnah mentioned on the Yud Omid Beis, tohor, v'tome, nosar, upigol, oser. The use of any of those expressions, the vow would be binding. Notice we have a long question. Boy Rami Barhama. Actually, before we learn the question itself, let's glance at the side. We have a Nosei topic heading, and also an indication that this is a long sugya that we're just going to be able to begin and not complete in the context of today's shir. But in it lasts till Yud Gimel Amad Aleph. The the Nosei, the topic reading says on the on the margin, Hamat Bispeneder. One who formulates a vow prohibiting an item through comparing it to something else. Haim matpis bi'ikoroi oi behetera. When you are comparing, let us say, an item, if you want to say the standard example is a loaf of bread, to a sacrifice. When you are making that comparison, are you making a reference to the sacrifice in its in its beginning? Or in its end, kagon de munach lefon of besar chulin, u besar shlomim, the achaz rika. Another case would be where a person has in front of him some uh, common mundane meat and meat from a peace offering from a shlomim sacrifice after the blood sprinkling was done, and he says v'yomar zeh kozeh. I want the the chulin meat to be like this. What is the person's intention? Now the Gemara. Boy, Romi, Barchama. Hare olai kibesar zivchei shlomim liachar zrikas domim mahu. Here we're just going to translate because we're going to have to up. We're going to have to um, refine this. Uh, the presentation of the question in another line. But in the meantime, we translate. person says, uh, I, I, I want this to be upon me. 
And we said before, imagine he had a piece of meat sitting in front of him, and he says, a meat piece of chulin meat, and he says, I, want, I, am, I am accepting upon myself this piece of chulin meat to be like uh, uh, shlomim meat after the blood was sprinkled. Now, in all korbanas you'll find, in all animal offerings, you find a blood sprinkling. And uh, most korbanas lend themselves to uh, consumption, to being eaten. I mentioned that in, as opposed to a korban ola, which is a completely burnt offering. But other korbanas are eaten. And at what point can they be eaten? Not after they're merely slaughtered, but in addition to the slaughtering, there's a sprinkling of the blood or a blood application on the altar. That's called zrikas domim. So now, if a person said this, and Romi Barham is asking a question, that I want to, I'm comparing an item that right now is mutter to a piece of shlomim after the blood was sprinkled. Mahu, what's the din? Well, if a person said exactly that language, there's no question, he's, he's comparing the chulin meat to the korban in its heter state, in its allowed state, and hence there's no vow. If you want to make something oser, you want to uh, impose a nether, uh, a prohibition on an item, you'd have to compare it to something that is prohibited, not to something that's allowed. Elo Kagoin, rather, what Romi Barhamo is asking about is a case as follows the Mochis Bosar Zivche Shlomim Kamei. There is, Mochis means there is lying in front of him some Shlomim meat. Shlomim meat after the blood of that sacrifice was sprinkled. Umochis de and there's heter meat in front of him. The Omar, and the person declares Ze Koze. I want the heter meat to be like this Basar Shlomim. But that's all he says. We know the circumstances of the meat. The, the, the meat is after the blood has been sprinkled. But all the guy says is he says, I want this currently, this this chulin meat to be upon me. I'm accepting it upon myself to be like this, like this, the shlomim. My, what is the fellow's intention? Is he comparing the chulin meat to the shlomim in its original state, namely before the sprinkling of the blood, or in its allowed state, in other words, as it is now, hashed, as it is currently. Hence, you, uh, at this point then, you see the question, and the Gemara proceeds to suggest um, a resolution by citing uh, different sources. On the side of the Gemara, where the Mivneh note appears, you see a diamond is featured. These are, and if you just skim ahead in the Gemara, if you have uh, Daf Yud Beis uh, in front of you, Daf Yud Beis Amad Aleph, you'll see a continuation of diamonds. And we indicated that this, this whole topic, though, won't uh, be uh, completed until you get to Daf Yud Gimel Amad Aleph. So these diamonds represent Nisyonis Lifshot Hashe'ela. When being Matfis, when comparing the item that you want to impose uh, with a vow, a vow of prohibition, and I compare it to uh, some other item, and, and we'll just uh, like assume that that other item also has a, we'll call it a before and after characteristic. Am I comparing the 
we'll call it the, the vow-centered item, the item upon which I want to impose a vow of prohibition, am I comparing it to the other item in its original state or in its current state? Toshma Noisar Upigol we saw that if a, we saw in the Mishnah that if a person uses these expressions uh, comparing uh, an item, that's what he's a piece of bread to nosar or pigol, it's binding. It becomes a vow that's binding. Now, nosar, this may be just to try to translate the words, nosar is leftover sacrificial meat. Pigol is a reference to sacrificial meat that was processed with a wrongful mindset. And if you compare the uh, um, allowed item to either nosor or pigol, it's considered a vow that takes hold. The Gemara continues at the top of Yud Beis Amen Aleph. V'ha nosoru pigol liachas rikas domim hu. Technically speaking. Something is not called uh, nosar or pingal unless the blood sprinkling has been done already. We uh, we take a look at the um, maybe before we look into anything. I want to point out that in explaining this gemara and some of the subsequent proofs, you're going to see a machloikis in the meforshim and the commentaries. So we'll take a look at the Ran commentary, uh, the upper part of the narrow lines of the Ran commentary. There are those that don't include Pigol in the Gemara. Ran's pointing out something technical, and that is that once... Um, uh, the the zrika is done of a of a of a of a korban that you had a pigol mindset, so the zrika is not matirit. It doesn't allow the korban to be eaten. The question or the point of the gemara here is drawn from the case of nosar the iser nidre poka le bezrikas dam vafilu hachi de Amo be'ikoro komatis. The noser is a is leftover korban meat. At the point that the zrikas hadam, the sprinkling of the blood of that particular korban was done, so the zrika allowed the meat to be eaten. So the called the vow or prohibition aspect of it. Uh, would be undone at the point that the sprinkling of the blood was done. So if the, if the sprinkling of the blood uh, uh, allows the meat to be eaten, and he and the Mishnah is saying that if you compare the, uh, uh, the item that you want to prohibit to uh, Nosar and its binding, it must be Bi'ikoro Komatvis, that you're comparing your item to the, what we call the Nosar meat in its original pre-blood sprinkling state. The Gemara responds and says, from the citation of Nosar, you cannot draw any conclusions. Amalei Rav Huna Rav Nosan, Ben Nosar Shel Uyla. 
the the mission is referring to someone comparing something to leftover Ola, uh, an, uh, the leftover Ola sacrifice. Uh, an Ola sacrifice is also known as a burnt offering. There is no part of it that's ever allowed to be to be consumed. The Ran elaborates, and we let's look at the Ran together. Even if you were to say that the person's intention is to compare the item to the korban and in its current state, akati nidre lopoka, the there would be no undoing of the vow because asura you might want to say in simple terms with regard to the Oilah you don't have any before, uh, change in the before and after before this Rika it was forbidden and after this Rika it was forbidden so uh, with with that in mind we understand if you uh, say the, the Mishnah that said uh, no sar is also it's because you're referring to the no sir of an Ola and since we're referring to the no sir of an Ola we can't resolve our question with regard to a person who had Shlomim meat sitting in front of him after Zrika Saddam, because in the case of Shlomim, there is a difference between the before and after. Omar Lay. So, uh, he says back to Rav Huna, we can maybe assume that the uh, that uh, Rava, uh, who try to conclude Rami Barhama's question from the Noser citation, so Ravuna uh, rebuffed him. Nevertheless, Rava responds, says back, Omalehim Kain, listeni kibasar ola. If the Mishnah, when it says Nosar, and the result of comparing the item of upon which you want to impose the vow, is a reference to you're, you're comparing it to the Nosur of Ola, and Ola has no dif- there is no difference between the before and after. So the mission should have been more direct. It, it should have said, Kibasar Ola. And it doesn't say that. It says, Nosar. Omar Le Ravuna responds and says, Lo mi baya komar. And what do we mean by that? Lo mi baya. I don't have to tell you, Basar Ola, the Osir, the Oba Korban this if I compare an item. A loaf of bread to Basar Ola. Of course, that's obvious that the vow takes place because you're comparing the loaf of bread to an actual sacrifice. And that's the that's the the the, the paradigm of vow construction. However, no sir upigal it's the richa. The Mishnah's teaching of, of comparing an item to no sir and pigal needs to be taught. Without that, I I would have thought I'm comparing the bread to the the Torah prohibition of eating nosar or the Torah prohibition of eating pigal. A person who would let's say be thinking in those terms that would be comparing the item to something that is that's um, prior forbidden. Uh, we've spoken about this in the past. If a person were to say it has an intention of making a vow of prohibition, he says, I want to compare, I want to uh, compare this loaf, in other words, this loaf of bread is unto me like pig. 
such a vow would not be binding because in vow construction you have to compare the the item which is the subject of the vow to an item that you made forbidden but not something that was pre-prohibited things like nosar and pinkle those are prohibited by the Torah so such a vow wouldn't take place Komash Malon, therefore the Mishnah needs to teach the case of Nosar, that when a person is comparing an item, imposing a vow of prohibition on an item and comparing it to Nosar, he's not referring to the Torah prohibition of Nosar, but he's referring to this specific piece of sacrificial meat that was left over. True it experienced Zrikas Domim, but he is referring in this particular case, as we said before, we're talking about no sort of Olah, where there is no difference between before the Zrika and after the Zrika. Therefore, from here, you cannot draw any conclusions regarding the original question raised by Rami Barhama. His question focused on comparing uh, uh, the, we'll say, the vow-imposed item to Basar Shlomim. In the case of Basar Shlomim, there is a difference between it before the, the Zrikas Damim versus after the Zrikas Damim. So, Mitzvah Hashem, in our next shir, we'll have to pick up from this point if try to conclude Rami Barhamo's question. With that, we conclude our shiur for today.